Hi, my name is John. And my name's Chris. And, and this, this is Stay on, on Target. Hey, everybody, welcome to Stay on Target. We are your hosts. You can find us online at stayontargetpodcast.com. That's right. This week, we are talking about Blade Runner 2049. Blade Runner 2049. On the special guest couch, we have our good friend, Joshua Hancock. Hello. Hello. He is, uh, <laughs> the last time you were on this show was for the World of Warcraft review. That's right. Like a year yeah. ago. That was good. You're on a special episode of this podcast. This is the final episode in this room. That's right. As John is moving. That's right. What are, what are we calling this? Like the old Hickory Studios? Sure. Yeah. I'm sure. Like, yeah. You, why not? Have you not named your, your house? No, I don't think I've, I, I don't think I've named this. I just usually use the street name. So the old one was the, uh, the Flintlock house. Like a flintlock or something like that. Yeah, that sounds like, that. like a mystery house. It does. It sounds like it sounds like we're gonna go and get murdered there. Like just switching into Nancy Drew mode all of a sudden. <laughs> the old flintlock house. The old flintlock house. Um, and then this one, the I, I, I don't think I've named this one. I imagine it'll be the same. Like it'll probably be. Uh, what's the street? Do thing. we normally not see people's faces? I can't see Josh's face at all. <laughs> so what's like, right? I see like <laughs> half of his face. I don't know. I feel can like you, that, that pop screen that? is like incredibly <laughs> funny. I feel like this is one of those like this is one of those investigative things where like somebody doesn't want to share their identity or something. You know, I don't want anyone to know. I'm just a voice over here. Oh man! So uh, this week um, we're going to get into the main segment pretty quick here, uh, mainly because we are family men and we have other things to do um, tonight. Wait, specify what you're talking about because <laughs> that could go a couple different directions. I, I mean, I, I have some some uh, some work things I need to do. You've got some work things you need to yeah, do. Yeah, you got to wrap up a mix. You've got a and I've got a three month old at home that I need to go, you know, hold and admire her beauty and yeah. a brand new Nintendo Switch. That you can play. And let's be real. I'm just trying to get that three-month-old to go to bed so I can play that Switch. So speaking of, what have you been jamming on uh, on your on your Switch? Uh, is there anything else to jam to except Zelda? Dude, it's very that's true. awesome. Where can are you at in it? I, let me just take a, a little quick second here and say yeah. anyone who has not bought a Switch or at least played Zelda on the Switch is really missing out on what I consider one of life's greatest pleasures. Hmm. I didn't understand what that meant until I picked up a Switch and started playing it. Because this game, if you if you played original NES Zelda, it feels like the modern version of that to me. Mm-hmm. It's it's it has some of the same like elements of that game. I, I and I know that because I just got the SNES or the NES Classic mm-hmm. and I've been playing Zelda like crazy. Mm-hmm. And then I switched to the Switch, you know, Zelda, and I'm like. The same things are popping out of the ground at me. <laughs> That's amazing. From nowhere, and and I can't cross that river, and I can't do that. You know, like it's just fantastic. It's so, amazing. But then it also has a lot of cues from uh, what was the '64 Ocarina of Time. Yeah. Ocarina of Time. Yeah. Ocarina of Time. Yeah. Like there, there's a lot of cues, and I love that game. So yeah. like it just it has a lot of really good. Uh, vibes from from all of, all of the Zeldas across the spectrum. To good me, DNA so. in there. Yeah, dude. See the. Uh, like Zelda, the original Zelda, I haven't ever finished it or whatever, but what I've played of it, yeah, you're right. It's like there's a lot that's very similar. It's kind of open world esque, but in a you know in a 2D kind of a space, mm-hmm. like where you can uh, you can kind of go do things. It's really hard to do things <laughs> if you go to the wrong spot, but you can do it. So yeah. yeah, yeah. Like I think I keep saying, like with this game, it's like no other game have I played where it's like I don't really care about finishing it. 
like or progressing the storyline or whatever. I just like do things. Yeah, yeah. And you happen to stumble across hours. like the story yeah. beats a lot of times, <laughs> like where you're like, oh wait. I'm over here next to where it was telling me to go. Oh, Let me oh, do cool. this. Oh, I guess I'll do this quest now. Exactly. I just <laughs> randomly found my way there. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's I, awesome, dude. I have a lot of respect, by the way, for, you know, because I have the NES Classic. So I've been revisiting Zelda, which I had as a kid. Yeah. On the original, you know, back in the day. And I, I too, don't think that I ever beat Zelda. Like, I think that I have gotten very far because mm-hmm. I remember getting very far, but I can't remember the end of it. So I've been like, oh man, I'm really gonna yeah. like crush this game. I'm I'm 34 years old. I, that should have no problem with this whatsoever. <laughs> like it's just as hard, if not harder, <laughs> yeah, yeah, than yeah. when I was a kid. And so I go to the internet and I start looking up like the tricks, you know, and the walkthroughs and everything. And then I start thinking, man, mad props to the people in the 80s that beat this game because oh, yeah. the only thing yeah. they had was Nintendo Power. Yeah, and it didn't tell you jack squat. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's what's funny about that. Like, there's some some people like that I hear talk about it and they're like, oh yeah, and you know, when I was a kid, I was like, oh, I know you can like blow up this rock and you can do it. And I'm like, how did you find did you this know out? Yeah. <laughs> did you just walk around like every like frame of the of the walls and just drop bombs? Yeah. Because you run out. Well, so you gotta go also, get more bombs. The other thing is like with, with old video games like that, even like Wolfenstein 3D or whatever, mm, yeah, like yeah. You, as a child, you have so much more like ability to just focus on a single goal and just like <laughs> two you know hours pass and just like oh, i'm still doing this i remember in wolfenstein you would run around and on the computer you would hit the space bar but you'd slide along every single wall of that game to find all the secret passages and I, i'd spent hours i'm sure as a child just facing a pixelated wall sliding along it like you just hold forward on the keypad it's and like hold the space bar until you hit a wall uh, such a misspent youth listening to your like little pc <laughs> Sound card go. <laughs> yeah, that was really funny because we didn't have like the good uh, like the good sound cards. So even like whenever I've downloaded Wolfenstein or even Doom or like whatever these days, like now it's like oh let me download this and it's like the sound is all wrong because like yeah. whatever sound card we had back in the day could not handle the uh, the sound that it was putting out and so it was just like weird picks like or uh, like weird processed sounds yeah. hit the wall. Which we thought was normal. Yeah, yeah I thought that was totally Turns normal. out there's like a full mini soundtrack that they had programmed, <laughs> yeah. you know? It's like, oh, you pull this gun and it actually sounds like gunfire? <laughs> wow. But yeah, anyway, I digress. I was too busy with uh, those games. Speaking of Duke Nukem, or uh, uh, Wolfenstein, I was Duke Nukem. Mm. And, you know, the space bar had a different, uh, a different end goal when you used it in certain areas. So <laughs> just leave that for the Easter eggs if anybody wants to go look that up. But... <laughs> Moving on. So, yeah. Uh, John, what have you been up to this week? Uh, I've been actually. So, in addition to the packing, I've been playing real-life Splatoon. What? I painted a room. I I used a a paintbrush and a roller, and I painted a room. Nice. How did it make you feel? It was not as fun as Splatoon in the video games are. So I guess I guess real life, like whenever you do fishing in video games, like that's pretty fun. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe fishing's fun in real life. I don't know. <laughs> I'm, I'm talking about not even fun now. for fishermen. <laughs> they're just in the habit. This is the, yeah. They're like, well, I gotta go. It's like, oh, I've always done it. Fish I are gonna catch going. themselves. <laughs> you mean that's not not what everyone should just do? <laughs> That's what Chris. That's one hundred percent right. The fish aren't going to catch themselves. I'm just going to circle back around and point that out. Although, um, although, whenever I was a little kid, I, my grandpa was taking me fishing, and I did not want to go. 
and we're out there on this little rickety bridge on the country and he's like out here really like getting into it because he's going to catch fish and we're going to eat them that night. Like that's what his intention is. Yeah. So I'm just sitting there on the side of the bridge like dropping my little line through a rusty hole in the bridge just to see if I could get it through the hole. And then I'd wind it back up and then I'd drop it back down and one and, and over and over. And then I I catch a fish. <laughs> and so I start, I'm like, Oh wow, the, I'm the, I'm the excited hole? to catch you know, so my grandpa like runs over there, he's like, Oh man, you caught a fish. Like he's pulling, he's like, How did you get through the hole? And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> we pull the and it won't fit through the hole. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing, dude. So to we had to loose? cut it. I couldn't even I couldn't even take it. That fish was like, What? Is and I vowed this that thing? day to never fish again. <laughs> No, I just haven't fished anymore after that. But. <laughs> I once fished and caught a giant you did. fish. You did, and it it uh it was I had a Mickey Mouse fishing pole, plastic when I was a child. <laughs> maybe like hauled in, maybe this, three feet long, if that. This giant whatever it was. I mean, it was as big as I was, and we we hauled it in. My my dad helped me bring it in, and uh, we we didn't know what to do with it because like. We didn't have a big enough bucket really for it, and so like it, we kind of like just put it up on the on the shore for a second, and it was tired out from trying to swim away from me, and so it just kind of laid there. Well, we like while we were turned around, we heard flop 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 flop, and it like flopped back into the <laughs> the um, the pond. The, yeah, like and it broke off, right? Yeah. Well, no, it yeah. took your it took you didn't it take your uh, no your that thing was yours. Okay, okay. Yeah. So in the same trip, That's there right. was a fish that um, John caught. That somehow the the he the, I mean either slipped out or something like he took his fishing pole with him. Okay, <laughs> flash forward and this, and this was actually like better fishing pole. It wasn't plastic. It was like a just a smaller version of a real fishing pole. It was, but it was a Donald Duck or something. It was Donald you know? Duck um, fishing pole. Like flash forwards to like <laughs> what maybe ten years later. Oh yeah, yeah, I don't know. definitely. Because anyway, the first probably the top, that, probably, like, I don't know if fish live that long. Whenever it's probably like two years. Whenever I lost <laughs> it, it, like ten years. <laughs> whenever your kid time goes so slowly, like whenever I lost it, I don't remember that. Like I don't remember losing it. I it's remember a, people telling me the story did, of losing did, it. Did yours flop back in, or did mine <laughs> and mine snap? That's what I think it was. Yeah, that's probably I think as we were was. carrying it back up, it snapped off the line and it rolled back in. Yeah. His roll, his flopped back into the into with the, my fishing, with his fishing pole. Yeah, that's with what my fishing pole on it. Anyway, like a few years later. The farmer who like owned the pond that we were fishing in comes into um, church carrying John's <laughs> fishing rod, and like, what in the world? <laughs> he caught this fish. It was still dragging the the rod around the bottom of the pond. Wow! It's like that's awful. <laughs> wow! <laughs> you put you put that poor fish through misery. I did. That's why we shouldn't fish. Yeah, exactly. There it is. There it is. Cool. So, I mean, that's what I've been up to this yeah. week, Chris. What have you been up to um, this week? Well, well, we'll talk about it a little bit later, but I had a, had a lovely afternoon on Saturday going to see Blade Runner 2049 Ooh. with uh, Josh and Megan Ledford, who's been on the podcast before. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. Other than that, not a whole lot. I've been playing some Iron Banner. Yeah. On Destiny. Did that a little and bit, it, yeah. And it's been fun. It's fun. So. Yeah. Yeah. But we'll talk about Blade Runner later. But first... All right, this week we're talking about one thing and one thing only. One thing and one thing only. The Star Wars Episode Eight trailer. Star Wars. You mean the Star Wars Episode Eight misdirecting piece of junk? No, I'm just <laughs> So I personally did not watch the trailer. And I've watched it once. 
specifically due to Ryan Johnson, the director of this movie, tweeting out like the day before somebody asked him like how spoilery is it, and he was like, "Well, if you want to go in completely clean, don't watch this trailer." And he was like, "But it's a really good trailer." And then the next day, like, so I was like, okay, well, I'm for sure not watching it. Cause if their director is like, oh, if you want to go and not knowing anything, this thing gives it, gives something away. And I'm like, okay, cool, whatever. And then, uh, so I don't watch it. And then the next day, Ryan Johnson tweets out and says, okay, forget everything I said, go watch the trailer. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm I'll like, tell you well, what happened there. Uh, Disney. Yeah. Saw him telling people not yeah. to watch the trailer. And they're like, no, Disney no, we like, gotta. Hey. WTF, Ryan. Uh, if you want your cut out of this, uh, you better backtrack that statement <laughs> real quick. Oh, that's really funny. They're like, uh, they're like hey, um, you know, if people don't watch this trailer, they're not going to go see the movie. So, <laughs> Yep. <laughs> Which is completely false. Yeah, completely false. Yeah, no, I mean, it's Star Wars. It's Star Wars. It's Star yeah, Wars. Let's be real. Um, so I haven't seen the trailer, Yeah. but I'm going to step out while you guys talk about this okay. trailer. Break it down for me, guys. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't break it down. Yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't know what that means. <laughs> Beatboxing. That's. If only he had given me a little bit of extra warning, I could have practiced something in the hallway or in the car ride over. But I got nothing. All right. All right. So, uh, um, the, I watched it once. You watched it once. I watched it once. I've I have seen a few of the stills. Okay. Because I had a I've, question about Kylo Ren's scars. Oh, they have. Cause, they've moved because they look. Different they in are a couple different. places in the trailer. Oh, you mean within the same trailer? I I, I thought they did, and mm. I think that the stills confirm that, um, at least to me. Mm. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I didn't want to see anything, and I, and I remember expressly watching the Force Awakens trailers, and the first one was so um, non-story driven, mm-hmm. like it it just it showed some really good beats and revealed some some good you know hero shots if you will uh and and set the tone and so there was a lot of excitement a lot of anticipation for the movie just off this trailer that really didn't tell you anything about what's happening in the story yeah we're talking about force awakens still yeah the yeah. force awakens and then they brought the second one out uh which we were all, i guess we were all expecting the second one around what was it comic-con or something uh yeah yeah the first one was at the celebration and the second one was at comic-con yeah, and so Comic-Con, everybody's like, oh, the second trailer's going to be awesome. And then it was just like this great behind-the-scenes reel. Yeah. And it showed a couple of new shots, but it was very vague and, had again, had zero story. Yeah. So I think everyone really went into Force Awakens with the barest minimum mm-hmm. story concept of what yeah. that movie was going to be. I about. had no idea. So I went into, again, the, the Last Jedi, the first trailer came out, kind of felt similar to the first force awakens you know I, I don't think that it gave away much um and then this one i knew when they released it that it wasn't going to be the same behind the scenes thing yeah um but it still felt like it gave stuff away yeah but everyone that i've talked to that has seen it is like it's misdirection my only problem with misdirection is that if it's misdirection then you, then you can infer like what the actual direction is <laughs> Yeah, like if you're saying, "Oh, this is the opposite of what's going to happen," well, then I know what I know what's going to happen. Then, yeah, you know, like, and so I just have to like keep in my mind, like, I'm, you know, I saw it, watched it once. I'm like, okay, cool. I'm still hyped up about it, and I'm not going to watch this again because I don't want to think about this too much. Yeah, and read too far into it and go with an in with expectations. There's only one thing I wish I I hadn't seen. You want to talk about it? Sure. Or just mention it. So spoilers if you haven't seen this, but uh, I wish I hadn't seen um, Ray and Snoke in the same room 
Because now I'm going to sit there in the entire movie and and wait wait. for that to happen. And know that that's what we're building toward. So I'm kind of like, eh. That's the kind of stuff. Because, again, the trailer doesn't, story beat-wise, I I don't think that it really reveals anything. Yeah. It does point a lot of directions that the story could be going. Right. Which I guess that's the point. But that kind of shot uh, was definitely, yeah, I agree. That's definitely something that I wish that I hadn't seen. Yeah. And that's kind of like what I told John. I was like, you know, I, I told him, I immediately texted him when it came out. And I was like, don't watch this. <laughs> You're not going to want to watch this. <laughs> like, uh, it's just, it's kind of like at the, at the end of the Stranger Things 2 trailer for season two. Have you seen that? Mm, um, no. Uh, maybe. I did see one. Is it the, the one with the one? thriller oh, yeah. song? That one? So yeah. at the end, you know, you see, uh, um, what's her face in the upside down and I'm yeah. like, well i wish i hadn't seen that <laughs> yeah because um, you just don't know what happened to her after the first one really yeah same kind of thing i i still think that the movie is going to be fantastic and i'm looking forward to ryan johnson's take on star wars but um i i tell you what i'm getting more frustrated about and this trailer has just stoked the embers <laughs> and that is ridiculous fan theories I mean, just the fact, just the ideas floating out on the interwebs. Yeah, just some of the just. I, I'm like, look, guys, I'm a fanboy from the time I've been nine years old. You know, I've I've wanted to see the these movies for thirty years, like everybody else. I normally don't get upset about people having their own opinions about you know what's going to come and what's happening and this and that, but it's just getting a little bit out of hand. <laughs> Okay, like let's just temper our expectations here because I think this is where people will start to get disappointed. Mm. They build up this big old, mm-hmm. oh, wouldn't it be so awesome? And they and they have all these conversations and you just psyched yourself up for what, if it doesn't happen and yeah. what comes isn't what you thought was going to happen or right. better than what you thought was going to happen, then, then it's not as good as what it should have been. Yeah. And then you leave there with a little bit of disappointment and then before you know it, you know, it's crap and... And it's the prequels all over again. Yeah. You know, it's everybody goes in the prequels thinking it's going to be one thing. It was totally different. Not as good as what everybody wanted and thought it was going to be. And then, you know, you've got 10 years worth of a trilogy that everybody wishes never existed. And I really, frankly, don't want to see anything like that. Not that yeah. I think that it will be at that level, you know. Right. I think really probably anything could be to that level. But Yeah, I, I, mean, I agree. I think that, like, you know, uh, trailers can lead you in a specific direction or make you think certain things. And even the whole, like, well, it's all misdirection thing makes you think of something specific. Yeah. Um, and what, like, honestly, if, if someone ruins the experience for themselves, that's on them, you know, like that's, <laughs> that's, yeah. that's their own fault. What I, what I take issue with more is, you know, things like in the rogue one trailer where there's like, Here's all these beautiful, cool-looking shots. None of them are in the movie. Like <laughs> Krennic walking on the beach, not in the movie. <laughs> the, you know this. Uh, I forget what happened. Like, was it a Tie Fighter that like just came up on the floated up on yeah, the tower? Like, not in the movie. Yeah. Uh, you know, just like the the she turns around. There's all this lights. Krennic in front of a map. All those things. Not in the movie. Yeah. I'm like, what? Where was all this? <laughs> like that looked awesome. I wanted to watch that movie. <laughs> all those shots exist. Obviously, we've seen them. Right. Just yeah. stick them in Where there. Where did they go? Random shot. I don't even care if it makes sense. Just put them in there. Yeah. So, you know, I like whenever it's like misdirection where it's, I don't know, there's there's one thing to do like this where I feel like, okay, there's imp- trying to make you think and imply certain things. Um, 
And where it's like, hey, we're showing you things that aren't really in the movie, just to hype you up about it. And that's probably, to some extent, what what this is. I would I would think with with some of the shots, or it could be. I wouldn't say that it is. It could be. Yeah. I do think that the fact that this movie is, uh, what two? What are we? Two months away from release. Mm-hmm. Uh, at that point, you know, you're you're at the home stretch here in the edit yeah. suite and in the effects suites. I mean. The movie, the trailer that you're getting at this point, for the most part, should be the movie that you're getting because yeah. that trailer or some of those trailers you're talking about uh, for Rogue One, I think, happened before all the drama with yeah, Gareth Edwards and yeah, him getting benched and everything else coming back to recutting and reshooting, and so that's probably a byproduct, some somewhat yeah. of that. I don't know. I uh, the things that I'm excited about that came out of this trailer. Um, what are those things called? The little th- things with the eyes. It's riding the Falcon with yeah. Chewie. <laughs> Can't wait for that thing. I don't know what that thing is. <laughs> <laughs> it looks awesome. Um, I'm actually like, I am more pumped about Luke's role. You know, like, I think like, uh, he seemed like he was being pretty curmudgeonly in the uh, first trailer. And this one <laughs> is a little more intriguing. Um, I uh, I don't, I want to see like what those walkers are. Like what the heck's going on. They're like, like apes. Yeah, it's so weird. I, I'm expecting them to rear up on their back legs. I mean, that'd be wild. Those front legs look like they're walking on their knuckles. Uh huh. Um, I, I don't, and I don't know if that's like in the same scene as like those uh, color, those smoke, color yeah, smoke yeah, things, uh, whatever they are, speeders or yeah. fighters or whatever. Um, I like the fact that we're seeing more Kylo Ren, um, and I, I feel like he's like we're gonna delve into his backstory, which I can't wait for. And it seems probably more of Ray's backstory, which is like that's this, that's what I want. For, I want some answers from this movie. Like what I like, I, I want this to ramp up to some kind of you know fever pitch for the third the third film in the franchise. Yeah. Um. And an, while answering some things, this is the time for answers. I think at least. Yeah, I read something uh, from. I think it was either Daisy or it was um, Ryan. I don't mm-hmm. remember. Um, but they were they were talking about her backstory, and they said that it will be revealed in this movie. That's awesome. But it it won't. It, the way that I read the article, I don't know if this is exactly what they meant, but this is the way I read it. Uh, was essentially that yeah, you're going to figure it out, but it's not really going to matter. And so I'm thought I thought, <laughs> okay, I'm, then why was it a secret in the first place? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I'm like, why, well, because they were like. You know, ultimately, who your family is doesn't dictate who you are as a person. Oh, you know, on. it became that sure. kind of thing. Yeah, fine. And I was like, well, kind of. Unless your name is Skywalker. Exactly. <laughs> like, that. that's the difference maker here, is that we're dealing with a story that literally the bloodline of Skywalker is the chosen one. Mm-hmm. You know, and whether you love the prequels or not, they're still there, and they're canon. Like, mm-hmm. it's part of the, the story and the DNA of Star Wars, and so... I think they're good uh, stories. They're just not presented well. Sure. it's But but the story itself is still the story. And yeah. so we know that Anakin, you know, fell to the dark side, and we know that he, you know, was apparently a virgins in the Force. I don't know what that even means, but it's, you know, it's there. So his blood is super powerful, and mm-hmm. midi-chlorians aside, like, he's got more than Master Yoda did. So mm-hmm. I don't really care about, about that, those little tidbits of fact, but it just means that his blood is important. It means that his offspring, therefore, are important, and possibly his offspring's offspring. Mm-hmm. And that's where Kylo Ren is important, you know, and whether Rey is a Skywalker or not, like, that becomes important, because if her, 
that line that he says, which is probably the most powerful line in the saga, you know, that I've felt this power before, mm-hmm. but, and it didn't scare me, but it scares me now. So yeah, what you, power is he talking about? Yeah, who do you think he's talking about? Well, that's that's all the way up for debate because I think again in that misdirection theory, everybody thinks that he's talking about Ray, but is he talking about Ray? Is he talking about Kylo? Is he mm-hmm. talking about an uh, as yet unnamed character? Mm-hmm. Um, when did you know, he feel? When, when do you think he felt it before? When did he feel exactly? And and it, uh, again, I think a lot of people think I felt I felt it with Kylo, and and yeah. it didn't scare me, but now it scares me with you. So. Yeah. But I think I think David Wilkinson was was saying this the other day, and again, one of the little nerd conversations we have, and he's like, "What if he was talking about the Emperor?" Yeah, and he felt it the first time with the Emperor, and I'm like, "Or even Vader." It would be interesting, you know. But I think that young Luke Skywalker, when he faced Vader for the first time, was pissing his pants, you mm-hmm. know, like, "Oh yeah, for sure." I th- and I think that he That's probably did the same I, thing when, with the when Emperor. Was he not so, scared, you know? yeah. So I I don't like again. Everybody's like, "It's the misdirection." Or is like, it Snoke, I just don't think know? that that. And Snoke could be a, a good contender for that too. So, anyways, all of that to say, like the trailer does elicit a lot of questions, and they're not bad questions, but I do think that it showed just a little bit more than I preferred. And you know, I could have lived without seeing it. Yeah, bad attitude. Well, all we can all live without. We could live without seeing the next movie. <laughs> I can't. <I'll, laughs> you can't. I will die. My existence <laughs> depends on this movie. <laughs> I'm excited for it. I can't wait. I am too. I'm pumped, dude. Let's get John back in here and talk. Okay. All right. Did he hear us? Did you hear us? No. We just literally said, let's get John back in here to talk about. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. No, I just, uh, I, I was like, well, enough time. I feel like enough time has passed to talk about a trailer. Okay, well, we're going we're gonna to end this segment. <laughs> okay. That was the news. <laughs> that was amazing. <laughs> well, uh, it's time uh, yeah. to review. The uh, man, Blade Runner twenty forty nine. That's you, the movie. Okay, here's my question: What are you going to do in the in this review? What are we? What are we? What's the like? You haven't seen it. Listen, I'm going to talk to you guys before the spoiler section. Okay. And I might piece out of the spoiler section, so I might okay. not be on the show a lot. But <laughs> I'm down. You know. Okay. So spoiler free review of this movie. Yeah. This may be one of my. I have to like let it sit for a while while I see it again. This may be one of my favorite sci fi movies. Of all time, Chris is just laying it out there, man. Yeah, I would, I would agree, and uh, I, I convinced David to go see this movie last night, and I believe part of my uh, words to him were borderline masterpiece. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Roger Deakins at his finest. It's the cinematographer. I mean, the cinematography of this movie cannot be praised enough to me i literally don't know how he does what he does and how they shot half this movie interesting it's phenomenal Uh, from a film from a filmmaker's perspective yeah a a cinephile perspective you know if you if you love those elements that aspect of of watching movies like it is candy i mean it is just such it's beautiful candy we walked in here and, and you said like something about it being three hours and then like and then Josh, you were like, "That was that was three hours long." I had no idea. I, well, you almost didn't believe it. You were like, "No," I did, I and I'm didn't. like, two hours and forty five minutes." Yeah, I like, did not. and there's, I th- I'm sure the audience are like, we've watched movies where it's like, "Yeah, that didn't feel as long as it was." Like this, literally, like there's not a. I mean, it's 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 a slow burn, mm-hmm. but there's at no point is it like wasteful of time. Yeah, it uses all of it. Yeah, and not in a tedious way. 
moving the story along. Yeah. Every every beat. Yeah. I I think that I was I was kind of giving David a little bit of a spoiler free review like this when I was encouraging him to go see it. Um this movie hits on a couple levels for me. One there is the nostalgic side. This is a sequel. Yeah. And Blade Runner uh the original despite whatever feeling you have for or against it, it's a very divisive film. Mm-hmm. It's it is a critically acclaimed in some circles, mm-hmm. <laughs> film. Oh, yeah. uh, it's a cult film. It fits all these different categories, but but it exists and and it's there. And I've seen all the versions and have opinions, and we can talk about that another time. But yeah, it, it is what it is. But it exists, and and so this movie builds on that. And I think from that perspective, it wins in all the ways. Yeah. I mean, it it pays a great homage to that while not falling into the problems of that movie mm-hmm. and and some of the you mean reasons this one won't have like seven different cuts probably well, i hope that it does just to follow <laughs> suit you know like and i hope that they get old vangelis back to you know rock some soundtrack for it but um I, that's that's part of it and then the other part is if you're a science fiction fan this lands all like on all the on all the points hmm. and, and this is something that i've tried to explain to people uh, very recently, I've had this conversation a couple times where, you know, we've we've talked about a movie and people are like, oh, I didn't really like that too much, and I'm and I'm I'm asking them some questions, and it turns out they didn't like it because it was deep science fiction, mm-hmm. whereas what we as a culture are conditioned to like is science fantasy or science ev- fiction adventure, mm-hmm. you know, like true science fiction. Um, is is books from the 60s and 70s like Clone mm-hmm. and you know all Mastodon all these different like you read the books Dune. you're like what is happening in this book nothing is happening why because <laughs> it's science fiction like it's not an adventure it's not a fantasy ride you know yeah. Star Wars comes along and because it's set in space everybody goes oh I love sci-fi Star Star Wars is so far away from science fiction it's it's yeah. kind of crazy like Star Wars is a western Star Wars is a is a fantasy film set in space. Like it, it has nothing really in common with deep science fiction. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's the part where I'm like, if you like that science fiction, though, if you like films like moon or oh my gosh, I love uh, moon. oblivion, you know, if you so like good. films that, that, that have a slow burn and don't ex machina, ex machina, same. Yeah. Like if you like these kind of modern, these are modern film, you know, mm-hmm. science fiction films, then, then you'll love it. I mean, I think that it is right square in that alley yeah agreed without like like overburdening itself like like they deal with really complex issues and like it gets pretty deep yeah but at no point am i like i'm completely lost you know like you Mm -hmm. they present it in a way it's like if you break it down it's a detective film as well if you want to like put it in another category that's kind of how they frame it in all the trailers and things like that as well Mm -hmm. is like a detective kind of a a peeling back the layers thing and because it is then it naturally lends itself to okay we're going to reveal things in a methodical way that makes sense that bring you along this journey yeah and like there are some maybe some twists and turns along the way, but you're gonna follow it because yeah. Yeah. of the way that like we've built this and crafted this story. Cool. Yeah, it definitely fits a detective theme very, very well. And I think that it gets to it does uh sprinkle salt and pepper some action into it. Mm-hmm. And that does keep the story moving, first mm-hmm. of all, but it also does keep you like awake and engaged. Like yeah. I I have a really hard time now with a three month old like staying awake through a movie <laughs> like it, it like even movies i want to see like yeah. i just find myself like it's dark mm. and it's it's like you know uh, you know like 
And I'll and I'll sleep for twenty minutes in a movie. Wake up and be like, man, what am I? You know, like I get mad at myself. You know, try to wake, slap myself. Well, I mean, you're like, you know, you're, you you essentially paid you know fifteen bucks for a nap. For a nap, yeah, I hate it. <laughs> it it's a waste of money, you know. I mean, but I don't know. Into, Is it though? You got a nap. <laughs> going into this movie, you know, it 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 was at the beginning. I started. I was like, man, I'm I really don't want to fall asleep. In this. I'm really excited, but I'm pumped for it. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I just felt through the whole movie like I was just eyes up, like mm-hmm. ready That's to awesome. go. It, it really kept my attention the whole time. So something I wanted to ask about um, for people. So a lot of what this movie has been criticized with it, like some of its marketing and moving into it and things like this, been that it appeals to the hardcore Blade Runner fans, people who saw the original. But like because that is such a like niche kind of film, it's and it's a cult classic. So it's like it's a relatively small group of people are like super amped and like all in for Blade Runner. How is it if you hadn't seen like the first one, would you be completely lost in this? No, I mean, I well, so I I honestly don't know, but but I don't think right. you would be completely lost. They explain some stuff at the beginning. Like yeah, there's a they text. give you some exposition in the very first frames of the film. Okay. Like the setting that's, that sort that's of set, thing. set up. Yeah. And the, it's not contingent upon the first one necessarily. Okay. I, I would say that the the one thing that you would benefit to to have seen and understand the first one is and I don't want to spoil anything here, but like the Decker mm-hmm. Deckard uh Harrison Ford character. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like if you don't understand what he did in the first movie, then mm-hmm. when he comes along in this movie, there's there's just a few connective strands to him mm-hmm. and why he's in it. Otherwise, you just know why he why from the first movie, and you're mm-hmm. like, oh, okay, Decker's, you know, like yeah. it's just. But if you didn't know that, I could see where that would be a little bit jarring. Like, yeah. Why? Why? Why do we care about this guy? Well, and like you know, it only adds depth. Like if you can make it through the first movie, like I mean, because it is long and it's like slow and it's not as well crafted as this. It's definitely um, a product of like when it clunky. was produced yeah. as it's well. Clunky. You know, it's you're like, right. Yeah, clunky is the right word. Um, and and so like. But if you can make it through it, it will exponentially increase your enjoyment of this. Yes. Okay. But not necessarily limit uh, a ton, like other than the the kind of Harrison Ford character, Decker. Yeah. I yeah I think yeah his some of his motivations and stuff like that, like you wouldn't necessarily understand the depth of those. Okay. Yeah. I would I would really say it all of Harrison Ford's part because now mm-hmm. I'm like replaying 2049 and thinking Mm -hmm. like what Mm -hmm. happens and when he comes into the film and when Mm -hmm. what happens as he you know progresses and things like that and i'm like yeah it's still pretty heavily contingent on knowing the first movie gotcha gotcha well that's interesting to me i mean and that's the i mean how how is it done say like i've I've seen some articles where it's like oh it hasn't you know didn't have a great opening in the first like weekend and that sort of thing i mean the thing is it was the number one movie in the box office but it didn't have like you know, some are blockbuster numbers, but then again, neither has it's, it's an anything. This year. Yeah, I was about to say, like the it, late yeah, summer fall, stuff, yeah. it, and then like nothing this year has blown up. It's uh, what did it do? Like thirty-one million, or yeah. something like that. Yeah. So I mean, and um, that, and and like with worldwide gross, it'll make its money back. Like it, it'll do fine. Yeah, I'm not worried about it making its money back. Um, I I am. The the bigger question for me is, you've got a movie, a sequel to a thirty year old movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, or that 30, 35 like, year old movie, whatever it is like you mentioned like people who are diehard Blade Runner fans I don't know maybe you have but 
I don't know that I've met someone who's like, you know what my favorite movie is? Yeah. Blade Runner. Well, I think like there's like fans of the genre or fans of like, you know, yeah. that. And so those like people who have seen the first one and enjoy the first one, like that's really the only people that I know of that were like excited for this one. And it's like, I feel like that might potentially limit it, uh, you know, but it's like, like you said, it's a sequel to a really old movie. You guys can't see me, but I'm raising my hand as one of those that was excited because I've seen the old one. Yeah, yeah I mean, I was excited. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I, I, like, and I was a fan of the original. I just don't like, you know, it's not Star Wars level fandom. Yeah. No, it totally right. isn't. And and I, I think from from even those of us, and I don't want to speak for. There's probably like a a name for <laughs> diehard, you know, Blade, Blade Runner fans. Yeah, yeah, the Blade Runners, the Bladies. <laughs> the, I don't know something <laughs> something stupid. The Bladeigans. Like that, you know, the Bladeigans. The Blairson Fords, but uh, they're they, they are, have probably been holding the midnight vigil when they were waiting it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They yeah. were like doing their cult things about this movie, whatever. But I think for general fans of movies and geekdom and science fiction and all the you know, if you've seen it, you're looking forward yeah. to it because it's. I mean, it's all it's hitting all the buttons. It's Harrison Ford. The trailers look beautiful. Oh, they're gorgeous. I mean, like immediately within like the first like couple of shots of the thing. Before I realized that it was a Blade Runner movie, I was like, "You're like, I'm I in. gotta see this. I'm in. I have yeah. to see it." Yeah, that's and then and then you see Ryan Gosling, and yeah. it's just you know eye candy for men and women. You know, yes. and you're like, just like, well, why would I not see this yeah. movie now? Do you feel like you could be Ryan Gosling in every movie? I feel like I could be Ryan Gosling. He he's, he's just so oh, relatable. He, he's like the everyman. Yeah. yeah. He's the he's the the best version of yourself. Yeah, I'm I'm a unabashed Ryan Gosling fan. I, I love that dude. Awesome. Well, are you guys? Uh, so obviously, see it, don't see it. Definitely go see, see this. it see, okay. and see it in the theater, please. Yes. Okay. There this are some dude. movies you have to see in the theater. This is one of them. The sound. We didn't say anything. The sound oh and the music. Gosh. Like, oh, oh man, like some of this stuff, dude. Like, mm. it is like as beautiful as the film is. Seeing it on the big screen. The 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 sound design and the music is is just as important. It's it is so some of the best I've heard awesome. since like Gravity. I think. Yeah. Mm. It is just a it's a great cinema going experience, mm-hmm. top to bottom. Yeah. So get yourself a popcorn, get yourself a soda, yep. go see this movie. Maybe get a drink. Red Bull if it's three and a half three hours yeah. or whatever. Also, don't chug I that didn't soda it, too fast. Yeah. Yeah. You maybe need an intermission. Made made that mistake. <laughs> By the way, do you guys remember back whenever Titanic originally came out, there was like yeah. an intermission in the middle yeah. of it. Yeah, it's because they had to change reels. Yeah, yeah, and it's like, it's. but nowadays it's just like, oh, <laughs> just you do your thing, guys. Well, you know? Only, well, because most movies that come out that are two hours or 45 minutes, <clears throat> Transformers, uh, you could leave in the middle of it. <laughs> was that one truly that long or did it only feel like it was that long? Why don't you long? go look up the runtime on the fourth Transformer movie? Oh, it okay. is two hours and 48 minutes See, of crap. There is, <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, there is no There's no reason. intermission because you can get up and leave for half an hour, come back, and nothing has happened. <laughs> okay, so Batman versus Superman was like, there were the longer cut came out on Blu-ray or whatever because yeah. you've seen it, that sort of thing. It's three like, hour, I, I could three see hours how that would, two minutes, I right? could see how potentially a longer cut of that movie because there's so much junk in there that it would make a little bit more sense with a little bit, you know, eh, 15 minutes of extra stuff, right? Yeah. It, Transformers, it did help that movie. You can add all the minutes to this thing you want. <laughs> it's still going to be a bad movie. Yeah. yeah. The, uh, the, the only other movie, like, I actually literally did fall asleep in the middle of, for like 40 minutes, woke up and the exact same thing was happening. 40 <laughs> minutes? Battleship. Oh. Oh. Dude. Poor, was this on TV? Movie. Did you fall asleep while it was on? I, like, fell on, I was, it was on HBO. One, okay. One, I was about to say, one, in the theaters, like a 40-minute nap in the theaters would be impressive, bro. And I, I didn't I didn't intend on taking a nap. I was just laying on the couch. I fell asleep. 
And it's like this shot, like, and the camera's just spinning around him on the deck of the battleship. I wake up 40 minutes later, the camera's spinning around him on the deck of a battleship, <laughs> and, like, hardly anything has changed. Are you sure that it wasn't just, like, it was the second time that you fell no, asleep, I'm, and they I'm ended the movie, true. and it's the same movie that starts after it? Because it was, like, 30 minutes later, and it ended. I'm just like, restarted. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I will say, the time that I fell asleep hard, and it was in the theater. It was for Desolation of Smog. Oh, no. Oh, no. And it was a midnight release. Uh-huh. And we had, I think we were at the Christmas party that night. Oh, or yeah. Or something. So I had like been awake and working. I don't know. It was just a full day. Yeah. And then we went to see this movie at midnight or 11 o'clock, <laughs> whatever time. It was like super late. But I was so pumped to see it. Yeah. And even though the first one was a little like, meh, you know, I was really excited for this one, the dragon, you know, everything. <laughs> middle of the way through somehow i just was done and i just passed out and so i wake up i can see it i wake up and the dragon is flying and burning everything and then it ends <laughs> yep and then ed sheeran starts singing oh Misty the best and i find the myself songs. like first of all confused because i have no idea what's happening <laughs> second of all amazed because that dragon was freaking awesome and then third of all i'm crying because this song is now like this haunting beautiful song. and i'm just like all of the emotions why did i fall asleep like i can't i can't even process because i've probably been asleep for like an hour <laughs> like i get up and just like after that song is over and just like stumble out of the lobby and everybody's like drying their eyes like it was so beautiful and I'm like, what happened? I don't even know. Like, I got to go back tomorrow and see it again. I don't even know what happened. How did, how did we get here? That's exactly. Amazing. That's amazing. That's, well, my, that's, that's one of my favorite endings to a movie. Dude, I agree. Like, yeah. I, oh, gosh. And as, as middling and mediocre as that series is, I'm happy that it exists specifically for that song at the yeah. end yeah. of that oh, movie. Yep. Hands down. Hands Woo. down. Worth wow. the millions. Man. Yes, yes, yes. yes. <laughs> Maybe not. Maybe not in a cash perspective, but in like a emotional and soul life giving <laughs> perspective. Absolutely. I want you guys to end the podcast with that song. Oh. We've we done it before. It we will do it again. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be in the outro. <laughs> All right, you guys yeah. ready to spoil this thing? Yes. Spoil it up. All right, Chris, count us down. All right, we're gonna spoil this in five. We're gonna leave John. Four, three, two, one. I think he's in his bedroom. Throw out a spoiler. Uh, we still don't know if Harrison Ford is a replicant or not. <gasps> so let's start there. <laughs> what? What? Is, you think he is? So, I mean, the the crux of the story is about replicants replicating. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, True. it's like, did did this, you know, this did the, the robots actually get to, you know, yeah. do the deed and, right, and have right. kids? And that's the the core of the story. And so you're chasing that lead. And then Harrison Ford comes back into the mix and he's old. Yeah. And everybody's like, well, he's not a replicant because he's old. But then everybody's like, well, those old ones, you know, they were special and they didn't age or they aged and they were supposed to be super, super human. Um, So maybe he's like programmed to age. Right. Like, okay, maybe. But then they're trying to like introduce him to his daughter and all this stuff. And I'm like, well, what is he? Like, because my mind immediately goes to the science. Because I'm like, you were a robot designed by a person. So that would mean a person would have to build organs or the facsimile of that are able to replicate. Like to take a, you know, some sort of matter and cultivate it into a 
organism that can grow and can, you know, I mean, we understand the birthing process for humans, but mm-hmm. if it's similar or vaguely similar in, in robot kind, then that would mean that a person had to program it and design it and engineer it that way. Mm-hmm. But the movie is telling you the whole time that they've not been able to figure out how to do that. Like the, the designer of everybody is, what's his name? Uh, uh, weird. Start with a Jared T. Jared Leto. Start with a T, didn't it? Uh, I don't Tyrell. Know. Yeah. Tyrell. No. Yeah. It was, it was a W. No, that was in the first one. Wallace. Oh, Wallace. Wallace. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it was Ty- Tyrell in the first movie. Yeah. 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 So Wallace. So Wallace is, is telling you, like his whole shtick is that he can't, he can't figure out, he can't crack the code on how to make, how to make replicants able to recreate each other. Right. Because there's so much of a need for the slave labor and it's free or not free, but like it's, it's, you know, labor that they need to do all the menial jobs and blah, 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 blah. So he, he's establishing the need that they need more than he can produce. Right. So if they can reproduce, then that's, you know, essentially going to be the way that they multiply in the millions and, and they can do all these things that they need to be done. But then into the end, Harrison Ford, who, who he had a relationship with is a replicant. We mm-hmm. know that without a shadow of a doubt. She mm-hmm. was a replicant. Mm-hmm. What was her name? What was her name? Dark-haired. Yeah, what was his, her name? His girlfriend, lover, whoever from the first movie. I'll find that out. Yeah, we know that she is is definitely a replicant. Rachel. Rachel. And Deckard is always, that's been always the question, is whether he is or whether he isn't. So yeah. again, my science brain is going, okay, if he is a replicant, then how did two replicants learn how to do this if the designer is saying he can't figure it out? And if he's not a replicant, if he's a human... Then how does a human and a and a fake human how does that work like like there's still well, like I think issues it, I for think me. it goes back to like so Wallace can't figure it out but he's he's saying that Tyrell figured it out bef- like in the first movie yeah. and and like what he implied was that Tyrell had figured it out this is what I read into it that Tyrell had figured it out but he couldn't just like stick him in a room and be like hey make another one he had to he wanted at least one of them to think that they were, they were real enough and one of them to actually fall in love. Like, so like, I think those are the themes that they explore on a broad sense is like, what it, what does it mean to be an AI? Like Ryan Gosling says some things like, it just feels like things that are born have a soul. Yeah. And, and like the, then I think the cop says to her, to him, like you're doing pretty well without one. Well, as the movie goes on and you start to think that he is, the the son of Harrison and Rachel, yeah. um, Deckard and Rachel, you start to start to be like, well, he has a soul, you know, like you start kind of attributing like, as you believe that, you're like, well, okay, you know, it seems like he's different. He has a soul. He has free will. He has a free agency. You know, like all this kind of stuff. So like it kind of throws up that okay, well, what does, <laughs> what does have a soul? You know, like yeah. You know what? What makes an AI? What makes something human? You know, I think it it's kind of throws together the same kind of um, concepts that we talked about earlier with like some of the films like Ex Machina and um, even Moon. Yeah, for instance, like it does yeah. like d- dive into those issues. Um, uh, did you ever see her? Yeah. So it's like you know, can a real person, you know, fall in love with a machine? Basically, or, yeah, yeah, like programming. Well, that's you know the interesting. Real? That was the interesting part about Gosling's relationship with his yeah his joy AI, joy, and and there seemed I don't know like 
I, I, well, I don't even. I think that it's pretty pretty obvious. Like they were in love with each other. Yeah, for sure. I mean, they they expressed all of the beats of of a couple that had just very strong, passionate, you know, affectionate love for each other. Yeah, and not a. It was never depicted as a sexual. Right. Like, oh, they're they're just binary base level emotions. Like these are deep, complex. Mm-hmm. You know, even when she's telling him, like, if you if you unplug me from the mainframe, or he's telling her, yeah, if I do this, like, if anything happens to this little device, like, you're dead. Yeah. And she's she's all she's all she in. She says that does not make me that makes a human or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. And it's and it's this really like interesting, beautiful moment for the two of them but when you break it down it's like well he's a replicant and she's a mm-hmm. piece of software like why am i feeling this way for the two of them well right. because they've they've found that so i think for me and this could you know i don't know if this well, if this franchise has legs beyond this movie i don't know that it'll breed a sequel i mean obviously they they plant seeds for it mm-hmm. i think that you know they they have a place to go with a third movie if they ever wanted to do it mm-hmm. but um Ryan Gosling the love scene with him and his and Joy, who's overlaid over mm-hmm. the prostitute, is which was a replicant, also. Was she? I think so. Yeah, because um, that's why that's why the they were all concerned that he was a Blade Runner. Like whenever, um, whenever they like were instructed to go like hang out with him or whatever. Yeah. The rest of them were like, "Hey, let's get out." He's a Blade Runner. Like I've seen yeah. this dude before. Yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah. Well, that would make it would still make sense with what I was going to say, and that is, if what what you're talking about with Tyrell and Wallace and everybody, like he, yeah. they found and they wanted them to fall in love and all that kind of stuff, like if that's the trigger, if that's the thing that causes mm. whatever mm. reaction to happen mm-hmm. that that is that allows to a baby life. to be born, yeah, or a replicant baby or whatever, can that same thing have happened with Mm. The prostitute and him, because he obviously felt it. She didn't, yeah, necessarily, yeah. But there was still those interactions. I mean, so, you kind of think that as you're watching it, you're like, okay, well, if he, if this, if he's, if he's a child of a, a replicant, yeah, then you know, like, what's going to happen here? You yeah, know? yeah. Uh, it 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 makes a lot of. There's a lot of really interesting questions that it asks. Yeah, and I and I think that's another thing about this movie that I really enjoyed is the yeah. depth. Yeah, for sure. Well, and even like Joy, so he ends up like seeing an ad for her like later when he's on that bridge, you know, and there's yeah. this giant Joy, and she says some of the same things that the other Joy was saying to him, like, and it's so like it's it's in a way it's saying, oh, well, she was just programmed to love you, but there was a deeper level yeah. to it that that doesn't represent, yeah. you know. You, and you could see as he heard that and saw that that he was like he was acknowledging that like mm-hmm. he, there was a sadness mm-hmm. to the fact that yes he's seeing her again so she's not gone because right. you know she's right there but but that version it's of not her. her right yeah the it's memory her, but it's not her. so then it kind of, kind of like do memories make you know yeah a, a human or a relationship or yeah. you know I, you know and i and i think the other the other thing before we move on from this is like so he loved he, you know would communicate with her in the way that he was able to the like the 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 prostitute makes a comment to Joy as she walks out. She says, "You're not as like you're not as complex or deep as you think you are," or something like that. But it comes down to like, you know, Joy was still communicating love with the tools at her disposal, yeah. even if she doesn't have as complex of a vocabulary to communicate this because she's 
she's designed and created to serve people and like to, you know, basically like, you know, say, it says like, say the things like you want to hear and all that kind of stuff. That's yeah. how she's commute, like she's built, but she was still using that, the tools in her toolbox to communicate love to Ryan Gosling. Yeah. His character. To and, you, and you felt it. Yeah. And that's the thing that's compelling to me. It is strange. I mean, obviously they're talented actors and mm-hmm. actors that are doing, you know, the, the hard work of showing this, mm-hmm. but there, there are, <laughs> other movies with non-complex backstories, mm-hmm. you know, they're just human beings that that do not share that same level of chemistry sure. and that same uh, just just it was very interesting to watch them interact. Like yeah. it was fun watching them talk to one another and yeah. and have dialogue and have growth as yeah. characters throughout the movie. Yeah. And I'm thinking you know, is it is it because of the complexity that I'm more interested in this, mm-hmm. or is it just that they're really good actors and and showcasing you know their skills here? But then I think about other movies that I've seen that I'm supposed to fall for a love story, and I'm right. like, I don't buy it for a second, <laughs> you right. know. And you guys didn't have the benefit or the or the negative side of having to carry all this extra complex baggage with you, right. and they just brought it and did a fantastic job. Yeah, and I'm not saying like that these are you know actors on the same caliber, but but it makes me think like so you. Th- uh, Drew Barrymore and um, uh, I just why did I just blank on his name? <laughs> Adam Sandler movie. Oh yeah, like you know, is it, is it just are we just not asking the right questions in terms of relationships and love with those types of movies where you're like, oh, they're just in love, you know? Yeah, like, or or maybe we're taking for granted, and maybe that's something that this movie because they can't uh, they can't touch each other, mm, mm, you know, they can't. Mm. Uh, and and that's that's from the beginning when when she freezes in the rain, you know mm-hmm. her her program kind of locks up and she's just frozen as they're about to kiss, but they're not kissing because she's a hologram, you know. Mm-hmm. So like work butts in at that moment, yeah. Real life, pops yeah, in. yeah. So so maybe it's that kind of thing that makes us the audience like almost yearn for them to get together, yeah, because they aren't able to do that. Whereas you know you mentioned you know Drew Barrymore. And, the Adam Sandler movie that they're they can touch from the very first frame and yeah. you know you just take for granted some of those human interactions yeah. and and yeah you're right like maybe maybe the fact that we can't they can't have those interactions make it more mm-hmm. heightened and and make us the audience like want it even more and at its base level that's what makes this movie so interesting is the relationships and the the these questions that they're raising you know yeah. like just seeing like the the post apocalyptic I think it's almost like doubly post-apocalyptic world. (laughs) (laughs) It's a a post-apocalypse apocalypse. apocalypse. Right, exactly, yeah. Um, Like, I mean, that's interesting, but, like, that's not what, like, drives this movie, you know? Like, the the relationships that they build and the questions that they're asking the characters, like, really drive this movie. Yeah, the, you mentioned the, the the feeling you know the post apocalyptic that kind of thing I I really enjoyed again as a as a original Blade Runner fan I enjoyed mm-hmm. that they doubled down on that world yeah. and didn't try to retcon it for 2017 because the first movie was supposed to be 2019 right and that's two years from now <laughs> I mean it still could happen <laughs> obviously. <laughs> I'm never gonna say never, but uh, <laughs> you go back and watch the original Blade Runner. You're like, mm, right? Well, that, that, this is a dysotopian future that did not come out the right. way they thought it was gonna come out. You know, <laughs> which again, they were they were making this movie in '82, and you know they were picturing 2019. You know, based on on their vantage point, yeah. and uh, all that was very possible in in 1982. But right. to 
you know, to look at it today, you're like, obviously it's not that much different than right. it was in 82, you know, skyscrapers might have gotten a little bit bigger, but they haven't, you know, radically transformed the skylines of especially Los Angeles and right. everything else. A lot of, like global warming hasn't taken it, yeah. you know, a hold to the extent where it's raining all it's the time in LA. It's raining every day. And, yeah. yeah. But at the same time, um, they're, they're fast forwarding this movie to 2049 which is, you know, 30 years later from the first movie, and it still looks like it did in the old movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, both of them haven't, they don't, there's not such a departure, and, and they didn't try to say, oh, okay, well, since this movie is now 30 years from, almost 30 years from the current day where we're watching the movie, mm-hmm. you know, they didn't try to, like, retcon that reality to make it a little bit more, like... Futuristic. Yeah, like we would, you know, there's not iPhones in the movie, or there's right. not... Apple there's products. No, there's no and, internet. Yeah, internet. Like it's you kind of take for granted that things that we have today. Like they didn't just try to weasel them in there and be like, right. oh, they've existed the whole time. You right. just didn't see them in the first movie, you know? Yeah, I like that too. Like I think a lot of the design decisions in this, you know, like I, I, and we talked about the detective stuff, but I loved whenever he goes down the pre. Like they they got around it real well whenever they like created the um, the blackout that like wiped out all like digital records, and so like you could. Totally see why they're now relying on hard copies again. Yeah, and like so he's going down. And I love the fact that the fact that he is a replicant and he's like you know scanning through all this like data, you know, and like looking through all this stuff. It's very manual, yeah, um, detective work. You know, going down to the the Wallace Corporation, getting these little like audio recordings and stuff. Almost like, tedious, but in a nice way. Yeah, like. And they kind of reference it. It's funny, like when she's like, "What have you been doing?" You know, like the the police chief yeah. or whatever her name is. And he's like, "Well, I did this, this, and this." Like, oh, takes time. <laughs> <laughs> um, speaking of the world, how in the world did they shoot half this man? Oh my goodness! Like the junk piles, like the stuff in the the desert. Like, where is this? Is that a soundstage? They swirl a bunch of. Like dust in the air. I don't know. How do they do this? I mean, I my thought was that a lot of it has to just be soundstage, because it, like I'm with you. I don't know where this stuff exists in the real world. Mm-hmm. And so if it if it can't exist in my mind in the real world, then my mind immediately goes fake, and it must be, <laughs> you know, in a computer. The problem is, or it's not really a problem. It's an actual. Actually, it's a really good thing. While you're watching it, you don't think that. No. While it's- I'm watching the movie, I'm sitting here like you going. I don't know where they shot this, but I have to get there. I yeah. have to see this in real life. But it, it almost certainly it just can't exist unless they did some kind of like Mad Max thing, which I haven't heard anything about this movie right. technically. So I guess it's possible. But you know, with Mad Max, they shot it, and then literally every frame of that movie is painted over right. and deeply color corrected and everything else. Right. But this movie doesn't feel that way. No, it doesn't. And you know, it's like okay, you know, did they go out in the middle of a sandstorm? Did they? Um, Did they go you know, shoot at an ocean? Yeah, and build a, like a concrete, <laughs> like little like wall yeah. thing. Like, did they go to like some you know like South Africa and find some junk pile heap or something? I don't know. Like, yeah. it just feels too real to not be a, like real locations. That's a real treat to me too. Because yeah. I was telling you coming out of that movie, I'm like, <laughs> man, I want to go visit San Diego, the junk, the junk pile, the yes. trash heap of San Diego. And the, the suburb of Los Angeles. Yeah, the, the suburb of Los Angeles, San Diego, that is completely covered in garbage. <laughs> and huge, like, 
tankers and you know ocean liners and you know just it's like a shipwreck island it's a it's a a, a mishmash of metal like just any and every kind of trash that can be thrown in there and it's like they make it so fascinating though mm-hmm. that you want to at least drive over it i don't know that i want to like hike through that stuff I feel right like this no. is all around you <laughs> but, but if I could just like fly over it in his little cop car hovercraft thing, yeah. I'm like, yeah, this place is awesome. Even, even like wherever he's at, like at the beginning of the movie, wherever that farm's at, it feels like it's supposed to be like maybe a little north of the city or something like that, you know, like maybe, you know, out in like what would used to be farmland or something, you know. Um, I was wondering if it was more east, like it was actually east? the desert, like California. It could have been. It just well, I guess it's all rainy. Never mind. I was just like I was about to say it like just seemed too like rainy and gloomy. But well, the only reason I thought that is just because it was flat and yeah, that's drab. true. I mean, yeah, if you go up the coast, it's still going to be pretty hilly. Yeah, but yeah. either way, I mean, it's still it makes you want to go there. Yeah, <laughs> it makes for sure. Want to see it? Yeah. Um. The. I want to talk about like what could possibly like what they what they're kind of implying could possibly happen. Like I feel like like you brought up a good point that the the next like if they do a next movie, you know, there there's basically a war coming. Yeah. And I think that has its complexities too and they kind of like they kind of gently brush the surface of that. Yeah. Of like I mean, what happens if the replic I mean, I guess they're saying if we as replicants can have children, then why would we not wipe out the humans? Like, yeah. it's basically what they're saying, correct? Yeah. I mean, at, at some level, I think I think they're fighting for just their freedom and rights. Mm-hmm. But I could easily see where it would shift to replacing. Mm-hmm. You know, like, well, as long as humans are alive, they're never going to give us the freedom and the rights that we deserve. So let's just take them all out. Right. Which... I know this may sound kind of crazy, but I kind of feel like after watching this movie and remembering, recalling this, the first movie, because I, ha- I wasn't able to go back and rewatch it right before seeing this uh, sequel, but I have seen it several times, so I'm not mm-hmm. you know ignorant of it. There's a lot of weird, <laughs> weird threads to me between the new Planet of the Apes saga. Hmm. Like the first Planet of the Apes mm-hmm. is Caesar becoming aware Mm -hmm. and and that feels a little bit like blade runner Mm -hmm. like this awareness is is coming and and that whole question of is he sentient or is he a machine Mm -hmm. with rachel and all the all the like subplots the first movie and then you look at you know rise of the planet of the apes and it's all about caesar and and he's becoming aware and he's becoming cognizant of Mm -hmm. of his emotions and and his place and his the Mm -hmm. fact that he's not human and there's this like tension between him and the humans and and there's others like him that are out there that Mm -hmm. are that are blissfully unaware Mm -hmm. the same way as in blade runner there's tons of replicants out there that aren't having this crisis the way that deckard and everybody else their their crisis is unfolding and so then you get to the second uh, dawn of the planet of the apes and and there's there's this like huge ape you know civilization out there that's now like thriving on their own and Mm -hmm. doing their own thing and and that's what you find out in this movie is there's this underbelly rebellion that's Mm -hmm. formed of replicants that are like ready to fight and that's Mm -hmm. where that war is feels like it's brewing and while i haven't seen war of the planet of the apes like the next 
Blade Runner movie would feel like you're coming into that war, and mm-hmm. that's literally what the next ape movie is called, War of the Planet of the Apes. So, yeah, yeah. Like, I, I'm not trying to like draw a lot of weird, you know, comparisons where there aren't any, but it, it does kind of strike me as as an an interesting little uh, sideways, you know, comparison. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's interesting, and it's the same kind of like concept, you know, like asking yourself the question about, you know, what. What makes you know what gives something a soul, or what what makes something worth like fighting yeah. for? You know, um, whenever you're talking just now, it made me kind of think of Battlestar Galactica. Yeah, like, yeah. you know, and, and that series, I feel like this did it in a little, like, little more eloquent, eloquent way. Yeah, um, in a less threatening way. Like the things we didn't dive into, we didn't see like much of the underground replicant society or army or whatever it is. Um, so like they have that to explore. Yeah. We didn't see, we only saw that at the end really. Yeah. And what was, what's funny is like, so who came and I guess they, I mean, they had like trackers and stuff like they were, they showed up, you know, like in Las Vegas with all that like firepower and like they have some of the same tools that it feels like the humans have. Yeah. Which the, the prostitute was there at the end. Yeah. Um, so like I guess like that's another way to remind you that she's a replicant. I don't know why I was for some reason not realizing that. Um, but she put the tracker mm-hmm. in his jacket. And yeah, so like there's a lot of, I, I don't know, There's there are definitely threads here that they've laced this movie with, along with the fact that Deckard doesn't die. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we are talking spoilers here, right. so sorry, people. Decker doesn't die, um, and uh, Wallace is not dead. Wallace is not dead, and, and I mean, I, I think we're led to believe that Ryan Gosling is dead, but yeah, we don't technically see him die. We don't see him die, and I mean, I guess he could come back as another replicant. You know? Yeah, I mean, he's he's laying there motionless on the steps. I'm pretty sure he's dead, but it's interesting that they like they they definitely pitched Wallace as the bad guy here. Yeah. Whereas Tyrell was never really like he he wasn't positioned as the villain in the first movie necessarily. Yeah. From the perspective of the replicants, he was. Kind of. Like he just wanted to meet his maker. And then whenever his maker told him he could never be more than he is, then he just you know, like yeah. he decided to kill him. Um Wallace is and I I always wonder when it comes to certain actors what the original part was written as because when certain actors come in they're going to put their own twist and spin on it right uh and jared leto is one of those that dude is kind of (laughs) crazy yeah and he's no different in this movie like he is creepy and hyper sexualized Mm -hmm. Uh, you know when he's talking to that girl and and then he like the replicant girl that was just born Uh you know she's all covered in goop and like she just was born literally in front of him and then he's having this dramatic monologue and then like yeah. kills her but not before like touching her and i felt like he he even like touched harrison ford kind of weird yeah, yeah. like like he grabbed his, his hand, hand Her- you know it was and that was like i was like i wonder if in that scene i'm like did harrison know he was gonna grab his hand like yeah. that because he kind of pulls away for a second and then he grabs his hand pulls it back you know to him and I'm like, that was genius yeah. on on however that happened. And it just reminds me of like his his Joker appearance in Suicide Squad, which yeah, yeah. that movie is not a fantastic movie, but it has its moments. Mm-hmm. And while I'm not a huge fan of 
Jared Leto as the Joker, like his performance as a Joker, I really enjoyed. Yeah. Because it was creepy and gross and He's like all in. Yeah. But that's what Jared Leto does. Like right. he gets one hundred percent into that character. And so that's why I wonder. Like yeah. when they wrote Wallace, did they intend for him to be that creepy and yeah. And bizarre, or is that just Jared reading the script going, oh, yeah, oh I know what I'm gonna do. <laughs> right. Well they like they said that like he used um lenses, contact lenses that actually he could not see out of, like because he's supposed to be blind. So he's yeah. like, I don't want to see. So like he couldn't see out of those contact lenses. Wow. Um I mean, it's just like I it's just stuff like that that's like uh, it takes it to another level. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> I mean he 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 is one of those uh, I mean not to talk about the Joker again, but you know Heath Ledger got into that role. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know Tom Hanks gets into his role. Christian mm-hmm. Bale gets into those roles. You mm-hmm. know the mechanic and mm-hmm. other movies that these guys have been in that you're just like, dude, you guys like seriously bought the farm yeah. when you got into this role. And that's what I felt like with him. Like, yeah. Physically, I don't know that he had to go through much. You know, he didn't have to lose fifty no. pounds for this role or anything crazy. But I mean, he really like developed that character in a way that made me cringe. When Did he was you see on the uh, Dallas Buyers Club? No, I have McConaughey. Seen, I mean, yeah. he's the same kind of thing in that, you know, like where he he goes all in. He lost weight for that. Yeah. Um, and I've heard a lot about. I've heard, you know, he does the same thing. Yeah. Um, and then I think the what was the I think the last thing I want. Oh, um, the one thing that like confused me, and we can just talk about it for a second. The memory that Ryan Gosling had, that like obviously came from a real person. Where did that come from? And if he's not the, the the boy, then where did that come from? Like it was a it was a real memory. The thing was there, you know, the yeah. little statue with the the birth date. Yeah, I definitely don't think that they that they at all spelled that out mm-hmm. um, because they were using that as the primary motivation for you as the audience, and even for Ryan's character to uh, to to feel like he was the child yeah he was alive yeah um he you know even when he gets to the to the test that that test that they do yeah and he like was so far beyond baseline you know mm-hmm. you, you're you're so far beyond what the what the heck's wrong with you you know like that was another like oh he's he's aware now he's self-aware it's Skynet. you know you're just <laughs> he's ready um and and so the whole time you're thinking that memory says that memory says that memory says and then into the end when he finds the horse, mm-hmm. you know, you're it's just a confirmation. Yep. Everything is confirming to you until until you get to the end and that lady tells him, Oh, you thought you were Yeah. You were her. Which I did not see him coming. I did all. not see coming either. And and part of me felt cheated in a way. Yeah. I'll be honest. Part Agreed. of me felt cheated. And I think the reason for that was because they didn't tell us where that memory came from. Nope. If they would have explained, you know, in a matter of, of two sentences of exposition that someone planted that memory so that ultimately she could be found mm-hmm. or ultimately this whole thing could unravel mm. because that was a seed that was planted and they put it in him as the replicant and they were just hoping that... Do you think that's what happened? I mean, that's the only that's the only way that my brain connects the pieces. Because like, we're assuming that th- like that she's the, the, the kid in that yeah. memory. Yeah. But I mean... Do you think it could have possibly that she just made a mistake and just she ma- she used one of her own memories? I mean, I would say that it's possible, but again, that's a that seems like a huge, huge coincidence 
that she would do that to him mm-hmm. who ultimately unravels the whole thing and you know puts her back into communication with her father. I mean, maybe that's what the mis- like maybe oh I mean I don't know if she had any goal behind it, but maybe that's just like cuz it almost made everything fall apart. It almost it almost screwed everything up. Yeah. You know. But it also ultimately brought everything together, which True. I guess that's that's the movies, you know. Yeah. So I yeah. mean, I I wouldn't be I wouldn't put it past it to be that that simple of an explanation, but at the yeah. same time there's a there's a part of me that you know, again, my my brain's trying to connect these dots and I'm and I'm watching this going he's he like somebody needs to come clean that mm-hmm. they orchestrated this mm-hmm. on behalf of what's happening mm-hmm. you know that that they knew that if this secret cuz they they would say like they put her into hiding because she's the best at what she does yeah. and you know what she does is ultimately going to be the thing that frees the replicants yeah. from their their indentured servitude slash slavery to Which, the human rights i don't know what they really mean by that either i mean i guess it just means that they're all going to come come alive you know, and but what is what does she do to cause that? <laughs> I mean, she's she's the daughter, yeah. So she's the missing link, yeah, so to speak. Um, I guess her her talent uh, as a as a replicant hybrid is that she can imagine mm-hmm. and she can daydream and mm-hmm. in a way that is not either human or replicant. And that's probably why she's so good at crafting dreams because she has a brain that can mm. process that kind of information, whereas a human brain can't. Mm-hmm. We don't remember enough. We don't we mm-hmm. don't remember in those kinds of details. Like when mm-hmm. they go into that little hollow room and she's manipulating the tiniest little details of this bug. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, um, my bug. If you had me, you gave me that machine. My little bug would turn into a monster because I, I don't I don't remember close enough. You know, yeah. that should have been our first clue from the audience that right. something's unique about her. Yeah. Uh, and yet we we didn't, or at least I didn't. So I yeah. that's the part where I'm like, if she is the missing link, there's either something about her that they're going to unlock mm-hmm. that is that you know her. Oh, if we can mine her blood and inject it into all the replicants, then they'll be free. Mm-hmm. Or if we that'll change their reproductive systems, and now they can all have babies. You know, like mm-hmm. it's it's either something as boring as that, mm-hmm. or it's you know, well she she's able to elicit some. Uh, because of her her uniqueness with mm-hmm. her memories and that her, her ability to craft memories, like she can implant these into the next generation of replicants, and mm-hmm. they all have the ability now to love. Mm-hmm. I don't know, like that gets a little crazy and right. off the cuff. But but again, like there's got to be something. If there is a sequel, there's got to be something about her that that drives the story forward. And then I'm just saying it can't, I, it, or it can, but it would just be a shame if that's just one giant coincidence that Ryan Gosling yeah. was in the right place at the right time. Yeah. Because that's what it feels like. The um, the other thing that I think that kind of key, should have keyed us off maybe is just how, like she didn't ask any questions. She immediately knew that that memory that he was showing her was real. It wasn't even like she had a question about it. She's yeah. like, yeah, it's real. And she, and she had a huge emotional response to it. Yeah. She, she apparently lived it. Yeah. Um. The other thing that's highly coincidental is the fact that if he's the only one with that memory, he ends up at that farm with the guy who helped hide her, you know? That's what I'm saying. That's that's the whole Again, if it's all coincidental, then it feels it just feels somehow fake. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe other people would disagree with me on that. Then that thought. And but maybe that's a meta conversation. It, like it with, totally is about the movie, just like it is with everything else. It, it totally is. <laughs> but but if there's not, I don't know. If there's not a a divine 
influence there, you mm-hmm. know, and I'm not saying divine as in God did mm-hmm. it, but right. I'm just saying if there's not a, a mastermind behind this that's helping yeah. push these events into place, uh, it just feels a little bit weak to me. Yeah. All right. You want to rate this thing? Yeah. What do you give it? Um, I've, I, again, I've had strong feelings for this movie since I saw it. Yeah. Um, calling it borderline masterpiece. As we've discussed, there's a few nuances that I'm picking apart, but overall, freaking love the movie. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to give it a solid nine out of 10. Nice. Wow. I'm, I was going to go straight like 10 out of 10. Oh, wow. <laughs> I, I'll jump on that boat with you. All right. Like, I didn't know if we did that on this show. I, mean, yeah, I, didn't, I, I didn't know if there yeah, was such a, a thing as 10 out of 10. So, so. Uh, so Fultron, Fulton, he will not give a 10 out of 10, I don't think, except for uh, he, he gave a 10 out of 10 to your name a few uh, weeks ago. Oh, it's the only movie he's ever given a 10 out of 10 to. What a weirdo. But I'm not one of those people. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah. If we'll do 10 out of 10 on this show, it's going to 10 out of 10 for All me. All right. 10 out of 10. There we go. You're right here. I'm going to get John back in here. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. So, uh, John, you need to go watch that movie and then watch this re- listen to the re- review. I definitely will. I still haven't seen Alien Covenant, so. Oh, my gosh. I haven't listened to your review of it. you got to make that happen. Oh I know. Oh, my gosh. I love that movie. I almost I watched it, it the other night, but I watched uh, Fate of the Furious instead. <laughs> Which, have we, heard, have we heard all the news yeah. about, about Fate of the Furious, or the next Furious mm. movie, or yeah. Fast and Furious? Have you guys talked about that? No, not really. Uh, can we take two minutes and discuss like yeah. the spinoff yeah. implications, which have been in the air for a while with Dwayne The Rock Johnson? Yes. Like This is basically uh, Vin Diesel's franchise now. He produces it. He yeah. has a large creative control over it. I feel like um, it's been his franchise since the turnaround, You know, since yeah. Fast Five, really. There's also rumors that they wanted to bring back what's his what's his name the director who directed Fast Five, um, Justin Lin. Justin Lin. They wanted to get Justin Lin back, and so that they there's rumors that they moved it around for Justin Lin's schedule. I mean, it wouldn't be a bad idea because what do they have? Two more movies that that he's the or uh, Vin Diesel's been saying. Yeah, I thought that after that last Fast Seven with Paul Walker's CG exit. Yeah. You know, that, that they said there was three movies left, like right. a trilogy or something that they were right. doing. But it doesn't feel like a trilogy because this last movie I did not think was very good. Well, I don't, I mean, it was it was all right, but it didn't feel like the beginning of anything, you know? like Yeah. That, and Fast it just, Five felt like the beginning of something. Totally. It was a pivot. Yeah. It was like a pivoting moment, which brings me to what I was going to talk about at the beginning with that spinoff. Like, I'm a big fan of that idea. I am too. Uh, because number one, Hobbs' character is fun. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and his interaction with Jason Statham is fun, and yeah. that was the funnest thing about exactly uh, eight was him. The, uh, the 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 best scene in the movie is that prison escape scene. Yeah. <laughs> all that. I mean, all that is 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 a lot of fun to me. So I'm really excited for that. But I'm really more excited because this is a franchise that made money, kind of kind of petered out. I mean, oh, so yeah. much so that the third movie doesn't even have the two principal characters in it no. until the after credits when Vin Diesel shows up and is like, hey, mm-hmm. uh, just waves at the camera and <laughs> moves on, you know. But like by the time the fourth one came out, you're kind of like, okay, this is a little darker and weirder, but mm-hmm. okay, it's back. With the, the the band is back. All right, maybe this could be cool. And then five come out and blew everybody's mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Five was fantastic. Yeah. And still to this day, a f- fun it, you know movie, but it pivoted. Everything pivoted in that right. movie from it's no longer racing and and drugs and 
you know, blah, blah, blah. It's like, we're a heist movie now. Right. Mm-hmm. And then they changed it again and they're like, now we're special ops, you know, and now we're, we're like avoiding nuclear threat to uh-huh. the war, the free world. You know, you're just like, all right, where is they going to pivot next? Are right. they going to space? You know, like, <laughs> but I would be excited if they did Dude. because it's the, oh, it's the first franchise that I've ever seen that is broken their own mold. Yeah. And said, you Several know what? Times. We're not going to be tied to what you think this franchise is. Mm-hmm. We're just going to keep stabbing in the dark and finding cool things to do and yeah. everybody's just going to love it and right. we're going to make a billion dollars. Oh, they're going to change they're changing with the times, which is really kind of a cool thing. That's which I, which I really hope that it empowers other franchises to yes. do. Cuz I look at some other franchises that most people would write off like Underworld. Mm-hmm. Like that mm-hmm. that franchise hasn't been great really from the first movie. Like mm-hmm. the first movie I thought was pretty you know, decent for its time, but every sequel past that has been like the same movie. Mm-hmm. But I think, man, if you pivoted that movie and and tried to make it into something more than what mm-hmm. that, you know, exactly what Fast and Furious did, mm-hmm. you could have a fantastic franchise on your yeah. hands. And it's already got a principal cast and a style and a, you know, a, a little bit of a story that you could actually feed off of. Yeah. So move on to something big, pivot away from that and do something fun. Yeah. Yeah. And I think like the, uh, with with the like Fast and Furious movies, they had like a a big hit at first, right? And then like over the the second, the third, and the fourth, like it kind of like it focused. They they were like, oh, we're gonna double down on the audience that like really loved this, like the like you said, like the racing and the cars and the you know and whatever people liked about those movies, like they doubled down on that. Whereas then they were like, wait a second, let's broaden the audience and change yeah. it into something that is has more mass appeal than just yeah. the racing or just the, that you know culture of street racing and that sort of thing. So then you could take that the same way with like underworld or whatever. Yeah, there's people that like love those movies. You, there's people like in these smaller, you know, kind of they, they get smaller and smaller every time. Like they just yeah. double down on the audience. They have the, let's do the more, let's do more, let's do more. Whereas if they just take that step back and broaden it and take a, like you said, like a left turn into a genre that like has more mass appeal. Yeah. It could be, there could be something there. I'm not saying they like twist over into like romantic comedy or anything, but <laughs> It's a rom com. I know, mean, we haven't had a good with vampires and, a g- good and liking or whatever vampires they call in a while. You know, that's all I'm saying. <laughs> another here's another idea, and this is something that I had as soon as I saw the movie Jurassic World. Yeah, Jurassic World is a great recreation of Jurassic Park, and it's fun and it's fantastic. But I don't want to see a recreation of the Lost World, mm-hmm. and I really don't mm-hmm. want to see another recreation of Jurassic Park. Mm-hmm. I don't want them to. Oh, those sons of guns, they built the park again. <laughs> and guess what? The dinosaurs got loose again. Oh, man. That like, gummit. We saw it in Jurassic World, and it was awesome. I mm-hmm, love that right. movie. It's fan, mm-hmm. it's fantastic to me. It's a great, great fun. It's my wife's favorite movie. She watches it all the time. <laughs> uh, like, it's, it's a lot of fun. But I thought to myself, as soon as that movie came out, I thought, man, if this franchise would pivot away from a park, yeah. and now Jurassic World maybe even becomes a little bit meta for the fact that dinosaurs are loose on the planet, right? and... All of a sudden, you know, uh, uh, what's his name? Andy from, you know, Parks and Rec, uh, Star Lord. Why can't um, I think of his name? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> is it Chris Pratt? There Peter Krill. I'm thinking of all of his, you know, characters' names. Uh, Chris, uh, Chris Pratt. Pratt you yeah. Know, like, if he if he was like now the next movie, he's basically like, you know, a, a special ops guy who's leading a a, a raptor trained dino squad oh, to go take out dinosaur threats across the planet or you know, whatever the, the evil corporation from Jurassic World, uh, 
whatever their name is, like they they've now like harnessed dinosaur power and they're you know taking over third world countries and well, they harvesting their, that kind of they did and but like Chris Pratt is now like the champion guy who's got to go out there and use the Raptors and oh man if he's ever got like a saddle on a T Rex at some point it's gonna yes. like blow my mind you know but <laughs> but th- that's the like pivot away from like oh we're a you know theme park gone bad like pivot away to something bigger and crazier and like i think your audience is going to run with it and just be like we love the characters we love the cg we love the concept already it baked it into us now go in a direction we're not expecting like take our money it's fine i love it universal if you're listening you need to do it (laughs) you heard it here first i expect a cut (laughs) small cut but with a billion and a half dollars like that small cut's pretty pretty decent so next week what are we talking about john I have no idea, man. <laughs> um, no clue. As you listen to this very somber music from The Hobbit, I'm going to look up <laughs> and uh, and see, like, is there anything that comes I'll out? I'll try to get, like, the end of it, though, like, so where it's, like, uh, it's more upbeat, so it's not, like, well, oh, not like even, it's not even upbeat even at that point. Maybe it's we just, can, maybe we can, just we can review that second um, episode of... Uh, of the Batman. That would be awesome. It just depends on how quickly can I get everything transferred over to the new house and then set back up. Listen, <laughs> you just need the TV and the console. I mean... It, and, and for about four hours. It'll happen. Yeah, hopefully hopefully it won't be like six hours like the other one was. All right, well, so um, you can find us online at standtargetpodcast.com on Twitter at chrisrack 250 And John Wright 777. And uh, at Jay Haney. And at Pod. Please go to your podcast service of choice and... Review us. Tell your friends about us. We really appreciate it. That's it for this week. We'll see you next time on Stay Stay on Target. Bye.